Well, hey everyone, Pastor Stephen here, and I want to thank you for checking out this message from Journey Church. I hope that it encourages you, challenges you, and brings you closer to Jesus than ever before. If you are joining us today online or through the live stream, we are so excited that you are with us. However, we are not meant to do life alone, so don't let online media be a substitute for an actual community of faith and fellowship. God created us to do life with one another so that we can grow together on life's journey. We hope that you enjoy this message from God's Word. Well, I want to add my welcome to you today, as, uh, as the band already did, and as Pastor Stephen did here this morning. Thank you for being with us. If this is your first time here, I especially want to thank you, and uh, make sure you find out more about the church by going to the Welcome Center after, uh, after the service here today. We are just thrilled uh, that you've chosen to worship with us today. Um, I don't know if you've been watching and following all of the news events. I don't know how you can not watch and follow all of the news events because it's really been bombarding us and taking over the discussion of our country uh, for the past, not only the past week, but the past months and really the past year or even a couple of years. Um, I, I've been really troubled with the things that we have seen on TV and you're hearing all of the events that are happening. You're hearing things about the Minneapolis case, about this new uh, case in Columbus. You're seeing the uh, uh, emphasis of cancel culture being played out everywhere we go. Uh, the idea of now, um, you know, the schools, the universities becoming this woke culture culture. Um, you're seeing the border crisis take place. And uh, one of the articles that I read this past week was really a troubling article. And I want to share some of this article with you. The title of the article says this, homicide rates are soaring as hearts grow ice cold all across America. Here's what the article says. From coast to coast, major U.S. cities are being transformed into war zones and our politicians seem powerless to stop the carnage. If we can't even feel safe walking down the street anymore, what does that say about our society as a whole? Over the past year, there has been a shocking deterioration of our society as a whole. Most people seem to think that conditions will return to normal eventually, but unfortunately, this doesn't seem like it's going to be the case. The riots and violence that have erupted in 2020 have sparked a wave of civil unrest that has spilled over into 2021. And we continue to see incidents of civil unrest almost on a nightly basis. For example, a week ago, over a weekend uh, a week ago, uh, there were rioters in Portland that set the ICE building on fire while agents were still working inside. Hearts have grown so cold in this country and it is only going to get worse. In 2020, we witnessed a spike in crime rates all over the U.S. that was absolutely unprecedented. In particular, homicide rates were way up all over the nation. Just check out these numbers. In New York, the homicide rate increased by 45%. In Chicago, it increased by 55%. Los Angeles, 38% increase. Washington, D.C., a 20% increase. Philadelphia, the homicide rate increased by 40%. Louisville, it increased by 70%. Cincinnati by 28%. Detroit by 19%. Cleveland by 40%. Houston by 42%. Indianapolis by 40%. Denver by 50%. And Fresno, California, it increased by 64%. In city after city, there were enormous increases. And murder rates have continued to go up all over the country in 2021. 
Over last weekend, a week ago, 11 more people were shot in the, quote, city of brotherly love. What an irony there. Gun violence just continues to spiral out of control in Philadelphia, and police are telling us that one of the victims was actually shot in the back of the head three times. Police officers, uh, officers have never been more demoralized across our country than they are right now, and hundreds of them are quitting. There is a rise in complete anarchy that is taking place across our nation. We didn't see this sort of violence on the streets in America in the 1950s and 60s and 70s, but now everything has changed. Hearts have grown ice cold all over the United States, and people are committing unspeakable acts of violence. Earlier today, the author says, I was horrified when I came across a story about a mother brutally stabbing her three very young children to death. The California mom, who was, who was suspected of killing her three children before fleeing in a stolen car, had a blog for good, she said, where she was going against teen moms and them being such bad mothers. And then she goes around and commits this crime. This is America in 2021. The fabric of our society is literally being shredded all around us, and the people that are sounding the alarm about a moral crisis are also the ones that are considered to be the bad guys in the whole thing. This is not a crisis we can solve by spending more money or electing different politicians. The truth is that this crisis is fundamentally about the character of the nation, and the only solution is for millions of hearts to dramatically change. Those are the kinds of things that we are seeing, and those are the things that are troubling me as I look across the country, and I ask the question and wonder about the question, when did we begin to start falling apart the way that we are? When did this all happen? Where did it all go wrong? You could point back to many things. You could point back to 1962, where the Supreme Court banned prayer in public schools. You can go back to 1973 with the, with the decision of Roe v. Wade, where it was legalizing access to abortion to uh, women across our country. And maybe those are parts of it, but I think that those are really outgrowths of a bigger problem. And the bigger problem has been the hearts of the people in our nation and in our world. So today, what I want to talk to you about, the thing that God really laid upon my heart this past week, is this title of the message, When a Person, Family, and Nation Crumbles. Let's pray as we begin and get into God's Word here today. Father, I pray that today I would be speaking for you as your spokesman, that this would not be my words, but your words. Lord, we want to glorify you. We want to lift up your name, proudly proclaiming that Jesus is Lord of all. He is King of all. He is the one who came to save us and the one by which we can find eternal life. God, you loved us so much that you sent your only Son that whoever would believe in his name would have eternal life. We have received a gift from you, and I pray, Father, that we would receive that gift and walk in the gift that you have given us. Help us to understand from your word and your perspective where people and families and marriages and nations go wrong, where they begin to crumble. Help us to understand from your word, your truth that we can apply to our lives here today. I pray that your Holy Spirit would be here, that it's not 
my words but your words and that you are speaking loudly to each one of us. We want you in this place. I pray for the other churches in our community, Lord, that they would be preaching and proclaiming your truth, not their own ideas and not their own opinions and not, Lord, their own, uh, their own desires, but they would be proudly and boldly proclaiming you. Father, we need you as a nation. We need you as a society. We need you as a community. And we need you in our hearts. So please, Lord, do a work in us today. It is in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. So again, that question, the question is, where did we go wrong? Where did this start to happen in our society? What was the trigger points that we began to see that would lead us to the point that we are at here today in 2021? What happens when a person, a family, and a nation crumbles? And I want to give you today four steps that you could employ today if you would like to wreck your life. Four steps that I want to give you that God's word clearly lays out if you would like to wreck your life individually, if you'd like to wreck your marriage, if you would like to wreck your children, if you would like to be a contributing factor to wreck your nation, four steps that the word of God gives us that you could actually start doing today if that is your desire and that's the direction you want to go. So let's jump right into this and we're going to look at a lot of scripture today from what God's word tells us about what having a life for him is really all about. So today, four steps to wreck your life. Number one, the first step is this, refuse to fear God. Refuse to fear God. Romans chapter 3, verses 10 through 18, Paul lays out a statement from the Old Testament. Now, uh, the statement, I'm going to really focus in on verse 18, and here's what Paul says. He says, as it is written... Now, what is Paul referring to? He's referring to the Old Testament. What we call the Old Testament is really the Old Covenant. It is the only Bible that Paul would have had. It's what they looked at. Jesus himself was interwoven throughout all of the Old Covenant so that they could see and realize that he indeed is the Messiah. So Paul, referencing back to the book, to the Torah, to the law, says this, as it is written in our Old Testament in the Old Covenant, there is no one righteous, no, not one. There is no one who understands, no one who seeks after God. All have turned aside together. They have become worthless. Why is that? Because of the final verse. There is no fear of God before their eyes. The fundamental problem in a nation that crumbles, in a family that crumbles, in a marriage that crumbles, and in a person that crumbles is the fact that first they do not fear God. The word fear in the Greek language and in the Hebrew language is important to understand. Now, I always point to the Greek and the Hebrew if this is your first time here. The reason I do that is because the Old Testament was primarily written in Hebrew. And there's a little Aramaic in there as well, but mostly it is Hebrew. So if you want to understand, you go back to the original language. Our Bibles are translations of the original Hebrew documents. Sometimes the words don't seamlessly transition, so it's good to go back and understand. The New Testament was originally written in Greek, and so you go back to the Greek to understand exactly what it meant. In the Greek language, the word fear is the word phobos. The word phobos. In Hebrew, the, the uh, Hebrew word for fear is the word yare. The word yare 
and the word phobos mean this. It means, number one, to be afraid, in terror or dread. Part of the fear of God is the recognition of the fact that he is the creator. He is the author. He is big and we are small. If he has the power to create everything around us, we should tremble in the presence of God. We should be in fear and dread because of the power and the authority that God has. He is king of kings. He is lord of lords. He is the perfecter. He is the author of our faith. There should be a natural part of us that trembles before God. But the second part of the definition is what is most often used and understood when we talk about the fear of God, and that is this. It means to revere, to stand in awe of, to honor and to respect. We are called as people to revere God, to be in awe of God, to stand in dread of God or trembling before God because of the power, but really in love and respect, we are to stand in honor and awe of him. There is a reverence that we have before God. He says that we are to fear him. Why are we supposed to fear him? Well, let's look at some of the verses from the Bible of why we are to fear him. Psalm 36.1, it says this, transgression speaks to the wicked deep in his heart. Why does transgression speak to the wicked deep in their heart? Because there is no fear of God before his eyes. Meaning that in a person's heart, there is a desire for wickedness and a desire to do what is wrong because they don't fear God. There's no reverence of God. There's no terror or dread of God. There's no fear of God. Therefore, I let this corruption happen in my heart. I don't really care because I don't really fear him. In Ecclesiastes 8, it says this, but it will not go well with the wicked and he will not lengthen his days. Why not? Because he does not fear God. So, it will not go well with you. Your days will not be lengthened if you do not fear God. We need the fear of God because that is where real knowledge and real wisdom comes from. In the Old Testament, here's what it says. Proverbs 1.7. It says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Proverbs 9 says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. We need the knowledge. Now, this is not intellectual, scientific knowledge. This is the knowledge of God. The fear of the Lord is how you get to know who God is. And when you fear the Lord, you will have wisdom. We are, as a society, lacking in wisdom greatly because people don't fear God anymore. The word wisdom means good sense. It means to understand and have skill. It is knowledge plus the capacity to use that knowledge. The ability to discern what is true and what is right and what is lasting. That's what wisdom is. Wisdom needs to have knowledge. Knowledge can exist without wisdom, but wisdom cannot exist without knowledge. Let, let me give you an example of that. Knowledge, let's say this, if you know how to use a gun, that is knowledge. You know how to use it. Wisdom is knowing when to use it, when to pull the gun out, and when to keep the gun holstered. That's wisdom. Knowledge is the knowledge of it. Wisdom is knowing, how do I use this? How does this make sense to my life? 
That is the wisdom. We need wisdom, but the wisdom only comes through the fear of God. Let me give you another example of knowledge versus wisdom. I heard of a story. There was a, a plane that was about to crash, and on this plane, there were four passengers. There, were, uh, there, there was a heart surgeon. There was a rocket scientist. There was a pastor, and there was a Boy Scout on this plane. There were four of them, but unfortunately, there were only three uh, parachutes that were there with them on the plane. The first guy, the, uh, the heart surgeon, stood up as the plane was about to go down, and he said, I am one of the best surgeons in the world. My patients need me, and he grabbed a sack, and he jumped out of the plane. The second person stood up, this rocket scientist, and he said, I am one of, if not the smartest person in the world. The world needs me, and he grabbed a sack and jumped out of the plane. Well, the pastor and the Boy Scout were left. The pastor looked at the Boy Scout and said, Son, I have lived a good life. I know where I am going. I am not afraid to die. You have a life, a long life left in front of you. You go ahead and take the final parachute, and you go ahead and parachute to safety. The Boy Scout looked at the pastor and said, Pastor, don't worry about it. There's actually two parachutes left. Remember the guy that just jumped before you, the smartest guy in the world? He jumped out with my backpack. That's... Knowledge without wisdom. We need wisdom. What does God say will happen? It says if you don't have the fear of God and you don't have the wisdom and knowledge that God gives you, you will have a life that is messed up. Your heart will be messed up. It will not go well with you. There will be no length of days. It's all the result of not fearing God. Psalm 111 verse 10, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. All who follow his precepts have good understanding. Job 28, he says these words, the fear of the Lord, that is wisdom, and to turn away from evil is understanding. So if you want to wreck your life, if you want to wreck your marriage, if you want to wreck your children, and if you want to contribute to the wrecking of our nation, then just don't fear God. Just refuse to fear God. Second thing that he says so that I would encourage you to do, again, if you want to wreck your life, not just refuse to, hear, to fear God, also refuse to honor God. Just refuse to honor him, and that'll wreck your, your, yourself. It'll wreck your marriage. It'll wreck your kids. It will wreck your nation if you refuse to honor God. Here's what Romans 1.21 says. For even though they knew God, they did not glorify him as God or give thanks to him. Even though they knew him, they did not glorify him. Now, what is the word glorify? The word glorify in the Greek language is the word doxazo. The word doxazo is where we get our word doxology from. What is the doxology? It is a statement of praise. It is a statement of glorification. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise him all creatures here below. Praise him above ye heavenly hosts. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Now, I, I'm, gonna, I, I'm blessing you by not singing that to you here today. But that's the doxology. That's where that idea comes from. It comes from dox, doxazo. In the Hebrew language, the, the Hebrew word is kavad. And the word kavad, the word doxazo, it means this. To think and to have an opinion of, to honor praise, magnify, and celebrate. Do you know that when we come together on a Sunday morning and we sing worship, 
it is a time to glorify and magnify the Lord. Now, Pastor Stephen stands up here and leads in wonderful worship. Are all of you participating in that? Are all of you singing? Are all of you glorifying God in that process? If you're not, you are missing out. You are essentially refusing to honor God just by your lack of commitment and lack of glorifying and honoring him. Second part of this definition is this. It means to be heavy, to be weighty, to be honored and receive glory. So it's understanding the weightiness, the heaviness of God. We glorify him. Romans 1.21 that I just read, let me read the rest of the verse. For even though they knew God, they did not glorify him as God or give him thanks. Instead, as a result of not wanting to honor him, not wanting to give him doxazo, the doxology, or to praise him, the result is this. Their thinking became futile, meaning their minds were just jacked up. They were messed up. Their minds were a mess. And their senseless hearts were made dark. In the book of Acts, you see one of the best examples of not glorifying God or refusing to honor him as God. In the book of Acts, you have a story in chapter 12 of a guy named Herod Agrippa. Herod Agrippa was a king of a, uh, of a region that his, great, or his grandfather, Herod the Great, would have held. Herod the Great was the guy that was around killing babies when Jesus was born. This is the grandson. The grandson did not fall far from the tree. The grandson stood up on a day and began to give a speech. And here's what happened. On an appointed day, Herod donned his royal robes, and he took his place on the stage Taking his seat upon the throne on that stage, he began to make a speech to them. And the people were just absolutely blown away by the speech that he was making. They were, they were just uh, beside themselves. They began to shout that this is the voice of a God, not a human. Well, God is not going to compete. In fact, there is no competition. God is always going to win. Immediately, an angel of the Lord struck him down. Why did he strike him down, you might ask? Because he did not give God the glory. And he was eaten by worms and died. <laughs> I like that little phrase that it puts on the end. I love that. I'm not saying if you don't give God glory, you're going to get eaten by worms and die. But, you know, take that however you will. Refusal to glorify God. Refusal to honor God. God alone is to be worshipped. God alone is to be praised. 1 Samuel 2.30, it says this, Therefore, Adonai, that means the Lord, Adonai, God of Israel, declares, I will honor those who honor me, but those who despise me will be disdained. Revelation 16.9, as all of the end times events are cascading down upon us and we are undergoing the curses that are happening, look what it says. People were scorched with fierce heat and they cursed the name of God. Even in the midst of a trial and tribulation and, and pain that they have never experienced, they still just curse the name of God. The one who has power over these plagues but they did not repent to give him glory. So you want to wreck your life? You want to wreck your marriage? You want to wreck your children? You want to contribute to the wrecking of our nation? 
don't fear him and don't honor him. You think maybe that's what's going on in our nation today? We are reaping the results of generations of people who have refused to fear God and refused to give him, give him the glory that he deserves. Step number three, refuse to love God. So refuse to fear him, refuse to honor him, refuse to love him, and that'll just make a great, great person, a great marriage, a great family, and a great nation. Here's the expectation that God gives us in Deuteronomy 6. Hear therefore, O Israel, and take care to do this, do this, so that it may go well with you and you may increase mightily. You will increase mightily and it will go well with you if you do exactly what I'm gonna just now tell you to do, he says. Here's what I'm gonna tell you to do. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love Adonai your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. These words which I am commanding you today are to be on your heart. So the opposite is also true. If I refuse to love him, it will not go well. If I refuse to listen to him, it will not go well. In the same way that if I do what he says, it will go well. What am I supposed to do? Love him with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength. Matthew 22, Jesus says almost the same thing. And he said to him, you shall love Adonai your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. Okay, well, what is the word love? Let's look at this. The word love is the Greek word agapao. It is the Hebrew word ahav. The Hebrew word ahav, the Greek word agapao, here's what it means. Give ourselves, to give ourselves over to something. To be consumed with something. To be completely committed and submitted to something. We love him because he first loved us, but his expectation is, I want you to love me. Be committed to me. Be submitted to me. Be consumed with me. Be completely given over to me. And if you do, it will go well with you, and you will increase mightily, according to Deuteronomy 6. Well, what are the consequences of not loving him? Deuteronomy 7. Know therefore that Adonai your God, he is God, the faithful God, who keeps covenant kindness for a thousand generations with those who love him and keep his commandments, his mitzvot. But he repays those who hate him to their face, to annihilate them. He will not hesitate with him who hates him. He will repay him to his face. There is consequences when we choose individually, in my marriage, in my family, and in my nation, not to love God. 1 John 4, if anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For the one who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. That's what goes on. Isn't that the description, really, of what's going on in our world today? It's people hating one another. Why? Because they have refused to love God. 2 Timothy 3 says that in the end times, understand this, that in the last days, hard times will come. 
For people will be lovers of self, they will be lovers of money, they will be boastful, arrogant, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy, hard-hearted, unforgiving, backbiting, without self-control, brutal, hating what is good, treacherous, reckless, conceited, lovers of pleasure, rather than lovers of God. So if you want to wreck your life, refuse to fear God, refuse to honor God, refuse to love God, finally refuse to obey God. Refuse to obey him. Exodus 19, again, is a picture of the, the, uh, the expectations of God. God says this to Moses and to the people of Israel. Now then, if you listen, the, the word listen is synonymous with obey. If you listen to me closely, if you listen closely to my voice, and if you keep, that's another word synonymous with obey, if you keep my covenant, then you will be my treasure from among all the people for all the earth is mine. That's God's expectation. If you will listen and if you will do what I say and keep my covenant, follow my word given to you, you're going to be my treasure. Not only the physical nation of Israel, but the spiritual nation of Israel that we are all brought into through a relationship with Jesus. Jeremiah 7. But I explicitly commanded them, God says, to obey my voice, and I will be your God. I will be your God to you, and you will be my people. Walk in all the ways that I command you that it may go well with you. 1 Peter says, like obedient children, do not be shaped by the cravings you formerly had in your ignorance. So one final word that let's define is the word obey. The word obey is the Greek word hupakeo, and it is the Hebrew shema'a, and it means to listen, to hear, to submit, to yield, to agree, and to comply. So what does God want? He expects us to follow him to listen to him, to obey his word, to obey his commands. Most of the problems occur when we just decide I'm going to disobey him and I'm not going to listen to him. Now listen to this. Jeremiah 18 describes, I believe, our nation. Jeremiah 18, verses 9 and 10. Look at what it says. God says this. Or at another time... I may speak about a nation or about a kingdom to build it up or to plant it. What is he saying? He's saying, I may in the future speak about a nation that I'm going to bless them and I'm going to build them up and I'm going to be with them and I'm going to plant them and I'm going to watch over them. I may speak about another nation like that. God does that. I believe our country was founded on the principles, not that are being promoted today, but the principles of a godly idea of worship. In fact, many of our uh, founders of our nation escaped from where they were in order to worship freely, to have the freedoms of worship. And I believe God's hand was upon them in a miraculous way. The stories you hear of the starting of the nation were miraculous in so many cases that God's hand was with them every step of the way. But look at what else it says. But, and that's a big but right there. But if 
that nation or kingdom does evil in my sight, not listening to my voice, then I will relent of the good that I had said I would do to it. It's like God saying this, I will plant, I will bless, I will provide, I will protect. But if you start doing evil in my sight, my hand is gone. And you can suffer the consequences of your own sinful desires because you refused to obey me. That to me, I believe, sums up where we are at as a society. That our country has said, we will not fear God, we will not honor God, we will not love God, we will not obey God, we will do evil in the sight of God, and God says, fine, I will relent of what I was going to do, and you will no longer be under my protection. And you can live with the consequences of your own, your own desires. Titus 1. Titus is talking about rebellious people, defiled people. Here's what Titus says. They, they, the rebellious, the defiled, claim to know God, but their deeds deny him. They are despicable and disobedient and worthless for any good deed. Psalm 78, it says, they did not keep God's covenant and they refused to walk in his law, in his Torah. So those are the steps. If you would like to wreck your own life, if you would like to wreck your marriage, you, you don't want to make your marriage a priority, then just refuse to to fear God, refuse to honor God, refuse to listen to God, refuse to love him, refuse to obey him, refuse to do any of those things, and your marriage will be wrecked. You want to wreck your kids? Well, just refuse to fear God, refuse to honor him, refuse to love him, refuse to obey him, and your kids will be set off in a wrecked path. And that's the consequence. I want to share with you just real quickly all of the consequences of all the verses that I read just as a summary if we refuse to do those things. Here's what God has said. It will not go well with you. Your days will not be lengthened. You will not have wisdom. You will have futile minds and darkened hearts. You will be disdained by God. You will be scorched with heat and under the curse. You will be repaid by God with annihilation. I will not do good to them, God says, because they won't listen. You will be despicable, disobedient, worthless for any good deed in, in my sight. Those are the things that God says. If we say, I will refuse to fear, refuse to honor, refuse to love, and refuse to obey him. Now, all of this I have said in a sarcastic way because that is not what any of us want. We don't want to be in that position before God. We don't want our nation. We don't want our family. We don't want our marriage. We don't want our kids. We don't want ourselves to be in that position. So what do we do? We do the opposite. We fear him. We reverence him. We respect and stand in awe before God, who is the creator and the author of all. We bow down before the King of Kings. It says of Jesus that one day every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that he is Lord that will happen with people who willingly go to their knees, and it will happen with a large group of people who unwillingly go to their knees. I want to be one of those people who willingly say, God, I will worship you. I will reverence you. I will fear you. We honor him. 
saying, God, you are worthy of our praise. You are worthy to be glorified. I want to lift your name up. It's not about me. It's not about us. It's about you, and it's about your your name and your plan. I want to love him with all of my heart, with all of my soul, with all of my mind, with all of my strength. I want to obey him and follow him. If you want to be in a position blessed by God, if you want peace, love, joy, and contentment in your heart, if you want a beautiful and blessed marriage, if you want kids that are blessed and led and protected, if you want to do your part for your nation, then fear him, honor him, love him, and obey him. All of that starts with us individually. It starts with this, God, search my heart. Know my ways. Search my mind. Is there anything in my life that I am doing where I am not fearing you, where I'm not loving you, where I'm not honoring you, and where I'm not obeying you? And if there are things in my life and in my heart that I am doing against you, God, I repent. I repent and ask you to change my heart, to change my mind, and to change my ways. If we want to be whole as a nation, then it's going to take a change of hearts. It's not going to take a change of policy. It won't take a new bill that is being passed. It won't take a change of leadership and, and politicians. They can't lead us down that. You know what it changes? It's, it's a change of heart where God becomes the king of my life and the king of our country. Would you pray with me as we close? Father, I pray with all of my heart that in our lives that we would fear you, that we would honor you, that we would love you, and that we would obey you. Help us to reverence you every day as we go through life, to lift you up, to proudly proclaim your name, to give you the awe and the reverence that you deserve. Help us to honor you and glorify you, not only through the lifting of our voices through song, but the ways that we live out life, the ways that we use our lives. Help us to glorify you. Lord, help us to love you with all of our heart. We want to love you. We want to love you with all of our heart, our heart, soul, mind, and strength. Help us to do so. And Lord, please, if there are any areas of our lives that we are disobeying you, walking willfully against you, walking willfully into sin, convict us, help us to repent, and be restored by you because we want to obey you. I pray for our nation that you would move upon the hearts of people across this nation, that they would take back what the enemy has stolen, that they would turn their hearts toward you in fear, honor, love, and obedience. We thank you for being with us today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to that message from Journey Church. Be sure to stop by our website, journeychurchgillette.com, and check out past sermons and learn how to get plugged in with us. 
Also, if you would like to give to Journey to help us continue doing ministry in ways like this, just hit the Give button on our website to support us on this mission. Hey, I hope that you have a great day and may God bless you.